So we had a sad event that took place this past week, and uh, I don't know if you remember, about four or five weeks ago, Will Marais was here, and he shared. Uh, he passed away uh, early hours of Friday morning, and um, he uh, went to be with the Lord. Uh, some of the tributes that came in have been f fantastic. Uh, I'll read you some. But uh, Will, Andrew uh, had met with many of the church leaders from Europe, uh, in Europe, and he had asked for Will, who was really primarily responsible, uh, just to be there. Uh, Will agreed. Andrew and some of the guys thought, mm, it's a bit risky that Will goes over there. But he decided to do that and visit his uh, other part of the family that were in the Isle of Man. And so when he got there, I think the trip just really, really took it out of him. Uh, and he never recovered, really, and just went down. And he passed away in the early hours of Friday morning. He was incredibly influential in Josh Jim. Uh, I know that many, many guys have been sucked into Josh Chen uh, because of his ministry. Both Emedla and I were influenced by him, and he was partly responsible for drawing us into Josh Chen 11 and a half years ago. And I just want to read some um, tributes that uh, were given about him. Last night, there was a tribute uh, that they, uh, the tech guys had put together uh, regarding his life. He played a huge role and had a huge impact on both Josh Chen and 412. For those of you who don't know, Josh Chen is the covering organization or church. Uh, 412 is a, a movement of churches, several hundred churches that uh, relate very strongly. They're autonomous. Josh Chen is all one, 42 churches, but there are hundreds of churches that relate strongly to us. And if there's a drama, we go in and uh, help and settle um, the, the situation. He was a man who was uh, deeply loved and who loved life. He modeled God and the kingdom beautifully. He was an incredible warrior of the faith. He poured out his life selflessly for the kingdom. His love and his labor was to see many walk in the more that God has for them was a one-of-a-kind grace gift of the church, one of God's generals. His legacy will echo into eternity. I have no doubt in my mind that the Lord, he heard the Lord's words, well done, good and faithful servant. So I just want to speak a little bit about death. Just to say to you that we're all going to die. And I want you to prepare for that very defining moment. First of all, he died of cancer. I read something this past week. Cancer is so limited. It cannot cripple love. It cannot shatter hope. It cannot corrode faith. It cannot eat away peace. It cannot destroy confidence. It cannot kill friendship. It cannot shut out memories. It cannot silence courage. It cannot invade the soul. It cannot reduce eternal life. It cannot quench the spirit. It cannot lessen the power of the resurrection. For those who die in the Lord will gain infinitely more. James Kennedy, who was a famous Presbyterian preacher who wrote Evangelism Explosion, uh, 
he died, but he had a recording before he died. And in the recording, it was shown at his memorial service. And in the memorial service, they showed this. And he said this, I want the service to begin with a doxology, which is, praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. With the hallelujah chorus at the end, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be dead. And then this is what he said. I will be more alive than I have ever been in my life. I will look, be looking down on you poor people who are still in the land of the dying and have not yet joined me in the land of the living. I will be alive forevermore, greater in health and vitality and joy than I or anyone has ever known before. What a wonderful declaration of the majesty of the resurrection that we have through Jesus Christ. John Piper said this, Heaven is too great, hell is too horrible, and eternity is too long that we should putter around the porch of eternity. So I want to just share a little bit uh, today about preparing ourselves for eternity. <laughs> and I do this on the back of what Will's life and death meant for us. One of the interactions that took place 20 years ago when 9-11 uh, took place and the trade center towers were hit, people were sitting in the restaurant up on the top and they started to make phone calls and they asked, please, there's smoke that's coming up the stairs, it's coming through. Uh, and the, the response was, we're trying to get to you, dear. We're trying to get to you. Um, but they never made it. I want us to look at James chapter 4 and verse 13 and 14. This is what it says. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or to that city. We will spend a year there. We will carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know? What You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a, a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. You are a mist that appears for a little while. You are a vapor. You are like a flower of the field and the wind blows over it, says the Psalms. And the wind blows over it and its place remembers it no more. But... But, the Bible says, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who love him and fear him. So, I want you to know that if you've not accepted Jesus Christ into your life, I want to ask you this question. If you had to die today, we don't know, we're like a mist. If you had to die today, where would you spend eternity? If you've never finalized that answer, you've never done it, I want you to think very seriously about what I'm saying. The Lord says, it's always today. If you find a place where it says, accept the Lord tomorrow, accept the Lord when it's more convenient for you, then I'm telling you, I will come down from this pulpit and I'll never preach the word of, get, word of God again. I know for a fact that it doesn't say tomorrow. It always says today. Listen to what the Bible says. Now 
is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts while it is still called today. You see, there's an urgency in life. And our urgency is that we need to respond to the voice of God. I would have loved to have been there when Jesus called the disciples, James and John, from the seashore, come, follow me. And they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Matthew, who was sitting behind the tax collector's desk, there was a note of urgency where Jesus said, Matthew, come follow me. And he left it there. The only thing that he took was his pencil because he wrote the incredible gospel of Matthew. But he left it behind and came and followed Jesus. When Jesus calls us, we need to respond to him without a doubt. There is a sense of urgency. There is an incredible uh, um, parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12. And in that parable, he told of a a, a rich farmer. He, He really had bumper crops. And he thought to himself, you know, what am I going to do with all my harvest? What am I going to do with all my wealth? I'm going to build bigger barns. And he built bigger barns. And the Lord came to him and said, this night your soul is required of you. He was like a mist. You see, and, and the Lord says, this night your soul is required of you. You fool. He says, you fool. Your soul is required. That's the only person in the New Testament that God ever called a fool but why was he a fool doesn't he do what all of us upper class and middle class white somerset west people do well build bigger gain more more in the retirement fund bigger house bigger 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 is that wrong What his problem was, was not investing in this life because he didn't have a thought of eternity. His big problem was that he never thought about his relationship with God and never thought about eternity. And that's why he was called a fool. And so for us today, we need to realize that we're fools if we never think about God and that most important of days. An old rabbi used to say to his people, repent the day before you die. And they said, we, need, we don't know the day we die. Listen, there's, there's nothing more certain than you're going to die. There's nothing more uncertain than the time of your death. We don't know. We don't know when we're going to die, they said to the rabbi. He says, then repent today. Repent today. If all of us are going to leave this life I think it's important that we make a very clear, decisive decision. All of us have fallen short. All of us are unable to forgive our sins. All of us cannot change our nature. We cannot get eternal life on our own. That's why it's essential for us to put our trust and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you prepared for that day are you prepared for that day when you are ushered into eternity and you come face to face with God we don't know I don't know if I'm going to make 70 Will was only 67 
You know, if I look back, I'll never touch 40 again. I'll never touch 50 again. I'll never touch 60 again. Sometimes I look at my ID photo, flabbergasted at how much hair I've got. I look at the mirror. <laughs> I want to turn around to see if there's somebody else standing behind me. I don't know. I mean, I just, I'll never touch those days, those ages again. If somebody once asked me, would you like to be 20 again? Just the thought wants, wants to make me lie down and take a nap. I, <laughs> I don't want to do that again. You see, I joke about this, but there's method in my madness. Because the Bible says that we're just a mist. We're there for a while, and then we're gone. We live our lives, we construct our lives like we're going to live for 300 years. But we don't. We don't. And the most important thing that you can do in life is those few minutes, whether it's 15 or 10 or just two minutes, to prepare for that moment when we will depart and be ushered into eternity. 2,000 years ago, a stupendous event took place where Jesus Christ, God, in the form of human flesh, came and dwelt amongst us. The world was shaken like it's never been shaken before. People met Jesus. They referred to him as the great philosopher, the great healer, the great teacher. And he's all of those things, but he didn't come to do any of those. He came to redeem, to reconcile, and to save us. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And for some of us, that might be news. For others, it's just old good news. Jesus Christ came to pay a debt on our behalf and mine and yours that we cannot possibly pay by ourselves. He declared that he was God. He performed miracles to prove it. He shook the world as it has never been shaken before. And he came and he gave his life for us. And for those of us who put our trust in him and receive his forgiveness and receive his redemption, we know that we're safe. He saves. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you placed your faith, your life, in the name of Jesus Christ? I want to say to you, you need to do it soon. Maybe even today. In Acts chapter 24, the greatest church planter, the greatest missionary that ever existed, his name was Paul. And in Acts 24, he confronts uh, a guy who was the procurator of Judea, whose name was Felix. And he shares the gospel with Felix. And Felix listens, and the Bible says that he trembled 
he trembled. He felt the tug at his heart's door. And in verse 25, it says, he says to Paul, go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. There's no record that he found time and that he summoned Paul again. You see, each time we delay, there's a hardening crust that develops on our heart. And we become more and more resistant. I've pastored, been a pastor of nine different churches in the 40 years that I've been a pastor. And I would love to know if the beams and the walls could talk. The number of people that have come into church that have heard the gospel and they've said to themselves, not now, later. It would be numerous. But that's craziness. Now is the time. Now is the time. C.S. Lewis tells a story. All the demons got together. And they were talking, how are we going to get these Christians to, to, to not believe? And one of the demons says, let's tell them that there is no God. And Satan says, no, people will know that there's a God. Well, let's, let's tell them that there's no hell. And Satan says, people know because there's a great amount of evil. They'll know that there is a hell. And one of the demons says, let's tell them there's no hurry. And Satan said, quick, go out and tell all of them there is no hurry. Don't wait. Don't wait. I love this quote by Dwight Moody. He says, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. <laughs> That's the truth. Andrew Murray says, God is ready to assume full responsibility for a life totally yielded to him. And that's the truth too. So generally in November, and last week we had a wonderful time of just gratitude expression. And today we're going to continue with that. And I've got three guys that are going to share this morning. Yaku, Johan, and Craig. And, but I just want to quickly uh, share a little bit about gratitude. Um, there's a famous financier and philanthropist. His name is Sir John Templeton. He makes a lot of money, and he says his primary reason for making a lot of money is to give it away. He's made millions, and he's given away millions to organizations and to charities. And he has uh, the Templeton um, Award of Excellence that he gives away each year. It's a very coveted uh, award. But every morning when he wakes up, he goes through a little procedure. Before he gets up out of bed, he thinks and finds five new ways to be grateful. And I thought, that's incredible. Before he even gets out of bed, because sometimes we kind of tumble out of bed and we go and make coffee and we sit with the negative news on and we just fill immediately our minds with the negative news. But that's important. Can you imagine just five things that we should be grateful for each morning? There is that old chorus that goes something like this. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings and see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. 
Uh, I think it's impossible for us to really count our blessings, really, and name them one by one. Our arithmetic is not good enough for that. God has blessed us because of his grace more than we can even consider and be aware of. So, in the Christian life, we thank before we say please. When my girls were growing up, sometimes they used to come in, Dad, can I do da-da-da-da-da, and will you do this? And I used to say to them, what's the magic word, please? And if I delayed that just for a second or two, thank you, <laughs> please, thank you, thank you, thank you, please. But in the Christian life, instead of saying please first, we say thank you first. Let's look at what Psalm 100 uh, says on this one. Into his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. If we thank God for everything, before we ask him for anything, he makes you realize that you deserve nothing. His grace is phenomenal. If it wasn't for his grace, his undeserved love, all of us would be destined to hell. But be so gracious. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. But give thanks to God. That is one of the requirements, one of the disciplines, one of the things that we should partake in daily. Daily. Matthew Henry, the great biblical scholar, was robbed one day. He was held up at gunpoint. And they took his valuables that he had. And in his diary he wrote, I thank God for four things. The first thing I'm thankful for is that I've never been robbed before. The second thing is that although they took my purse and my money, they didn't take my life. The third thing is I'm thankful although they took my all, it wasn't much really. And the fourth thing is it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Hmm? How many of us when we have had a negative experience can be grateful? A guy came to me number of years ago and said, I appreciate your sermon on gratitude, but I've been going through a really difficult time and I just have got nothing to be grateful for. I said, but why is that? He says, I, I, just, I just eek out at existence. I have nothing to spend at the end of the month on any kind of luxuries, movies and luxuries and restaurants. I mean, you know, sometimes as a pastor, you want to uh, lay hands on him and exercise the firefold ministry. <laughs> and it was one of those moments, I think, guy. And I, I remembered that, and I remembered some of the, you know, pastors sometimes can have the most wonderful times with people and have share in, in their best, best days, and we also share in their worst days. And I'm going to just go through uh, a number of experiences that I've had. A girl who had cancer. She was riddled with cancer. She was in love. 
she had met this guy, and they wanted to get married, and he, he did that. She was, she was emaciated. She was just skinny, 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 lying in a hospital bed, and I went to Grotesque Hospital, and I married them, and four days later, she passed away. I had to bail somebody out of Polesmore Prison. Let me tell you, you don't want to be a criminal and end up in that place. It was, <laughs> I walked in here, I said, why do guys commit crime? I mean, the noise of those thousands of, you know, in, in, in an overcrowded jail, the noise level was just overwhelming. And that never stopped. The smell. Why, why commit a crime? And as I walked out to the parking lot with this person that I bailed out, I mean, hands were sticking out of the windows, of these barred windows, waving, and uh, I mean, just don't commit crime. You don't want to end up there. A young family, the father was feeling a bit fluey, and he thought, well, he's fit, he's strong, he'll go for a cycle, and halfway through his cycle, he collapsed, and he died. Young family. Don't go cycling, don't do exercise if you're fluey. <laughs> I thought of a young student who was on holiday. She slept in a little bit. The family was out. She decided to go for a walk in the nature reserve. And while she was there by herself, she was attacked and she was raped. Carl shared with me a number of years ago how a mom had lost a child and two days later the house burned down and every picture that was in that house of this child was gone as well. No record of that child at all. A gruesome murder four years ago that took place just probably a hundred meters away from us where people were doing a renovation and two guys got in and seriously attacked the husband. He was a big guy. And before he even woke up, really, they started to stab him and he was killed. He bled to death within 20 minutes. Just terrible. You can have terrible things go wrong with your life. And to come to me and say, uh, because I don't have money to spend on luxuries and restaurants and stuff. I mean, we get so preoccupied with things that happen to us in life. And we fill our lives with negative news with television, with internet, with smartphones, with social media, with Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, negative, negative, negative. I want to say, let's lift up our heads, let's lift up our eyes and think of the wonderful things that God has given to us. Charles Spurgeon said to, to, to his congregation one day, he says, Let's be grateful for what God has done through our biblical heroes, for the way he delivered and for the way he blessed, for the way he showered mercy and pardoned them, for his faithfulness and for the way he kept and protected them. But, he said, would it be not more interesting and more profitable for us to notice the hand of God in our own lives? In our own lives. You see, giving thanks does a number of different things to us. It gives us more energy. A research was done in 2003 where a group of guys had a, a gratitude journal and they kept all the good things and they wrote down all the good things that happened to them and others took all the bad things that took 
that had happened to them. And the guys that had all the good things were more energetic. They loved life a little bit more. They were more enthusiastic and generally happier people. When people give thanks and are filled with gratitude, they are other people-centered. They are pro-social. They are inclined to help people, even if they themselves have a personal problem. People who give gratitude and who are filled with thanks physically feel better. You see, when we give gratitude, something activates in our brain and there is that good, <laughs> feel-good transmitter called dopamine that is released. It also releases a mood neurotransmitter serotonin and the trust hormone oxytocin. So guys that give thanks just generally are better, happier people. Shouldn't we be filled with gratitude on a daily basis? There is that quote, if you've forgotten the language of gratitude, you'll never be on speaking terms with happiness. And that's the truth. That's the truth. So, let me invite Yaku to come forward and to share with us a little bit about what has happened in his life over this past year. And then Johan straight afterwards, and then Craig at the end. Hello, Amal. Um, I must be honest to Richard, my friend. Um, om te praat, toe sê ek vir hom, dit is recht, maar dit gaan in Afrikaans wees. En uh, toe, toe, well, ja, ek sê toe, dit gaan in Afrikaans wees, en uh, hy sê toe, oké, okay, maar, sê daarom so paar Engelse woorde so tussenin. Um, so, ek praat goeie Engels, maar ek praat het in Afrikaans. So, here we go. Um, ja, this year was a, a hectic year for our family. Um, uh, my wife and I started a new company, uh, always fun. Um, and uh, yeah, we soon realized that we are going to give so much more time or invest so much more time into this than we originally thought. Um, otherwise, if we don't, um, like, it can any time be a small nose gone, you know? So, it's not going to Okay? So, uh, um, yeah, this is my, this is my Engels. <laughs> now we're going to go to Afrikaans. No, we're going to go to Engels. Okay, we're going to try Yeah, so there was, uh, yeah, to summarize the whole year, there was a lot of frustrations, a lot of challenges, but definitely also a lot of breakthrough. Um, and that's what I want to talk about today. Um, it's all, it was all about community. Um, I want to start with my parents and Mark Carolina. Um, we wouldn't have survived this year without them. Um, they looked, I want to say they looked at the kids, but I think it's after the kids. Yeah, yeah I know, that's my second joke. <laughs> okay, but they also looked at the kids, but they looked after the kids so, so, so many times. Um, they prayed for us so, so much and also um, shared their wisdom with us while we journeyed through this whole year. And we are very, very grateful to them. Um, and then Andre and Reeds come. Where are you, Andre? Are they? Are they? Um, yeah, they also 
like everybody at COM, they carried us, they supported us in incredibly. Um, lots of prayer and yeah, just sharing wisdom and their life situations and how we can apply it to what we were going through. Um, yeah, it was such a blessing. Um, and then obviously, like most of you, um, like whether it was one-on-one -on -one coffees or um, on the phone or us playing spike ball, like I want to really thank you for your obedience um, of um, you know, basically just listening to the Lord and helping us through this time, um, whether it was making jokes about it and laughing about it or actually being serious um, and giving us very helpful advice. We really, really appreciate that. Um, yeah, thank you for your friendship and your obedience towards God. And then, yeah, even though it was such a difficult year that we went through, um, we experienced a lot, experienced a lot of great, uh, a lot of a lot of breakthrough, and a lot of growth. Um, so, and most of that happened through your obedience, because um, uh, obviously the Lord also gave us. Um, a lot of breakthrough and, um, how can I say it, like he provided for us financially, um, spiritually, emotionally, um, and Karen and I really feel stronger after this year, um, and we're very thankful to him for that. And then, um, yeah, this is basically four scriptures that summarize what we've um, been through and how God also encouraged us and Make, made our uh, marriage stronger and relationships with the kids. Um, and obviously also what we experienced in church life and in, um, in this community. So first one, uh, obvious one, Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And then Philippians 2.4, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Ephesians 4.32 And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And then the last one, Romans 15, verse 5 to 6. Now, now may, the God of patience, uh, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Um, I want to share a little bit about what happened in the past two years. Um, about two years ago, October month, two years ago, the Lord opened a door for me to develop software for a company on the sideline while I was, while I was working full-time for another company. So I took the opportunity and, and about, yeah, in the beginning of this year, in February, they asked me to to join them on a permanent basis and and in that um, uh, there was also the 
um, the amazing op opportunity for me to fully, basically fully full-time work from home as well. And in that, in, in that, um, the, the blessing for us as a family in that, um, of, yeah, in, in me working from home was that I could help logistically just at home with, with things like picking up the kids from school, um, Lizette is working at at the primary school, and and at one stage they um, so since after after the hard lockdown for a couple of months they've been at home, and then when they went back to school, they started doing two shifts a day, so one half of the class the first shift, the other half the next shift. So the kids needed to be picked up for at school at about eleven o'clock, and and. It wouldn't have been possible if if I haven't been available um, during the workday to go and pick them up. So just logistically, how the Lord has placed um, certain things in place that I can could help with that, um, which which I'm thanks so thankful for. And and then also what happened was um, yeah. There, there was also the um, the blessing of financial financial um, provision, um, a bit of an increase, and um, so yeah, I'm just so thankful for what the, for how the Lord has played things out um, in in this past two years, um, just logistically in our lives as well. Um, so what? But the bigger thing for me um, for this year. Since since COVID hit the country, I think thousands of people have been stolen from from the ability to dream again, to you know, to have new dreams, and and it and and yes, there are there, there are financial dreams that that you have there, are, but but I'm it's more about dreams um, related to um, related to where you want to take. Where you want to take your relationship, where you want to take with your wife, where you want to take your your family um, in the spiritual and and we this year since since this whole shift for me working from home as well gave the opportunity for us to to rethink our dreams um, and our goals for for our family and our children. And I'm so excited for the dreams that God has planted in us um, in, in this year. And I want to just share um, from Scripture as well, the, what, is the, what is the correlation or the similarity between, between a dream and faith? Um, it's, pretty much, it's pretty much the same thing. You don't dream about something that you can see. You don't dream about something that you can see now. And similarly, in Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says, Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So a dream is very much similar to that. Another translation says, another translation says, yeah, I think. <laughs> um, do you want to get that one? 
another translation says that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Um, and the Lord has given us new dreams. Further on in, in Hebrews 11 verse 6, he says that um, nothing but faith pleases God. So uh, I want to encourage you to, to have new dreams. Um, new dreams for your family, for where you want to take your kids. Um, and not related to this physical realm, but to, the, to eternity, related to eternity. Where do you want to see your family? Where do you want to see your kids? And yesterday we've been, um, a lot of us has been to the, to the get-together. And even there, there was, there was new challenges and new, um, new goals that's been born um, for us um, to, to chase after. Um, the goals and, uh, for, for, for us to be an influence in other people's lives, that, that, we can, that we can reconcile others with Christ. And um, you know, so I've just, I'm so thankful for what the Lord has done in us and, and the new dreams he's, he's born in, in us and, and the new goals he's, he's given us. So I'm excited to share what the Lord is doing, will be doing in the next, in, in the next near future. Um, yeah, that will be awesome. Yeah, thanks, Johan. You know, uh, yesterday at the gathering, it was very much Andrew talking about um, going and shining your light. I don't want to mention that now because uh, Richard mentioned that the, um, Andrew's message of yesterday has been posted on the Somerset West, Somerset West uh, info group. So please, if you weren't at the gathering yesterday, go and give it a listen. Um, give it a watch. It's fantastic. Just Andrew encouraging us to, to be the light. So he was reading out of Matthew 5 where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And he's talking to us. He's saying, we need to go out and be the light. And that's part of my testimony is, is um, God bringing us to Somerset West. And we need to come here and also be part of the light. You know, and if I look at us, you know, we can often get set in our ways. So we've joined the church in January. And we come and we join a community. And we start getting busy in the church. And are we out there? Are we at the gyms, at the beaches? Are we bringing people in? And I think that was a real conviction for us as well yesterday. It's just, are we getting out to the lost? Are we going out and shining the light as we should? Um, or are we just sort of farming? You know, in, in business, you talk about hunters and farmers. And the farmers are the salespeople that when the clients come in, they're very good at looking after those clients. But you need hunters as well. That's the salespeople that go out and bring, bring more people in, bring more business in. And this is not a business, but same concept is we need to be bringing the lost in here. And I think that's a real challenge to all of us. So please Please give that a listen. If I look at Brian and Skulk, the two, older, the two elders that aren't here today, uh, they're doing the third day of um, the Wines to Wales. So they're riding a mountain bike um, over, over the mountain, basically from Amanus, finishing in Lawrenceford. And based on the timing they do, they should be finished at about half past 11. So it'll be nice to see them coming in. But I mean, that's quite a, quite a ride. They do 60 to 70 Ks a day. And it's between 1,300 and 1,600 meters of climbing each day. So it's quite, uh, quite a task. But my, my point is they, their team name is Josh Jane Somerset West. 
They could have gone and said, called themselves the Omana or something funny like the other guys do. But they called themselves Joshua in Somerset West. They see it as an opportunity to go and shine, shine the light. And as Skulk says, he calls it subtle marketing. You know, so they, you know, they're with a thousand other riders, and I'm sure that they've been shining the light every opportunity in the, in the last few days. So we just pray that they'll have an impact there as they finish up today. Yeah, so my, my testimony is about God closing doors. And we've seen, you know, we, as a family, we, when God says move, we start moving. We don't, because the, the temptation is to wait and say, well, God's told me to move, but he hasn't told me where to go. So I'm just going to sit here until I get a definite answer, until the angels broadcast it with trumpets, then I'll move. So what we do as a family and the way I lead my family is we start moving and we pray that God will close doors that he doesn't want. And we had a big door closed in, in Durbanville. So we, um, um, we felt God really wanted to move us from Edgemead. And um, we d- were looking in Durbanville because it seemed like a logical place for us. So we were deacons in Edgemead. We thought they're putting up this massive building in Durbanville. They're going to need people that know systems and how to put up buildings and processes and stuff like that. So let's, so we looked probably, I don't know, we probably went 20 times out to Durbanville, checked all the different suburbs and put in an offer on a house that we really liked. And we said to God, yes, what we would like in a house. And he ticked all the boxes and then our house in Edgemead didn't sell and that door closed. But I want to point out today that we need to give thanksgiving and we need to rejoice when God closes a door. So if we say to God, Close a door that you don't want us to go through. And when God does that, we need to rejoice and we need to celebrate because God has stopped us from going off on a tangent and he's, it helps point us in the direction where we're going. So um, the short version of Somerset West then is we, after all these like 20 opportunities of going into Durbanville, Somerset West was one click. It happened to be a Rawson lady, so maybe that's why, uh, with Skulk's, Skulk's company. One click. This lady contacted us, and everything fell into place, and here we are today. So, you know, when you, when you go in the direction that God wants you to go, he will open the doors for you along the way. And there was, I'm not going to get into all the detail that Joy might want me to get into, but there was um, lots of confirmations for Somerset West along the way. So, you know, we, then we started getting confirmations, seeing Somerset, like we, anything we clicked on, we saw Somerset West, etc., and maybe that's partly Google, I don't know, but it was very much, um, <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, and driving past things, not just digitally, so driving past, I mean, there's an advert there in, in Blue Rock is advertised largest life there in Montier Gardens, and Joy just saw Somerset West, you know, so, so we got lots of signs afterwards, and, but it's just fantastic to know that God was guiding us here. Two other doors that have closed is Gina started studying pastoral studies at Pneumatics, which is just at Hoogend Manor in Mondior Road, um, there by next to Monkeyland. And um, they're actually closing their pastoral studies at the end of this year. She's the only first year, there's only one third year, so it's just not viable for them to do in the course anymore. So God's closing that door, but now she's going to be moving into studying music, and we think that's where God wants her. She's going to have the theology degree, the Christian counseling, the music, that combination. So again, God, we could go, oh, and be disgruntled and say, well, now she's a first year, where do we go? Why are they closing this course? But it's an opportunity for God to just change her course slightly. And then our son, Stephen, who many of you have met, he's still part of the, the Wellington congregation uh, now, but he'll be moving to, to Somerset West when he's finished with TMT. And we said to this estate agent when we moved in, we said, are there any art schools around here? And she said, well, there's one in Bizweni Road. It's a kilometer from our house. And we thought, wow, that's fantastic. 
he can study art and animation there. And we've registered him, we've paid the deposits and everything, and about 10 days ago, I got an email from them saying, sorry, we're having to close this campus because um, it's just not viable for us anymore. So another door being closed, which we prayed about as well, said, Lord, you know, we feel this is an opportunity for him. You can use him here. But again, if this is not where you want him, please close the door. And God has closed that door in a big way. Yeah. So we're still going to figure out exactly what Stephen's doing next year. You can still, there's still options for him to study animation. But just again to illustrate, when these doors close, if we've prayed for them to close, we mustn't get miff and say, oh God, now what must I do now? But we must rejoice that God is actually, God speaks to us through these things. All right, thank you very much.